Okay, intro for our Stranger Things episode. This was a uh, lot of fun to record. We've been out of the game, out of commission, have not made any podcasts in a long time. So part of the goal and hope whenever we moved down to Stephenville was uh, somehow that we were going to have more time for podcasting and doing other like creative uh, endeavors. It has not been the case. Uh, a lot of things have transpired. Shannon is now on her last semester of grad school. Uh, last semester she took two classes and I was working a bunch of overtime at work and the kids were just in school and I was just crazy. A lot of fun. Tons of great memories. Uh, we're about to embark on some some new memories. We're, uh, we just recently bought a house off of Facebook. Nothing says 2022 like that. I, I feel like I've been repeating that a bunch, but it just blows my mind whenever I'm thinking about how... Uh, how... What would the right word right there be? Uh, uniform everything has become and then you have something like Facebook where you just talk from one individual to the other you buy a product and and you're done it's it's a lot less uh, there was no red tape the way that we did it so <clears throat> anyway if you want to check that out I'm sure we're gonna have some content around that coming out uh, on the Instagram and and whatnot but it's been uh it's been crazy so it's been a crazy interim between recording episodes, but we wanted to come back on a fun episode. So that's what this today's episode is. Uh, today's over Stranger Things. So we uh, recently watched, we were watching the uh, season, you know, the this last season, uh, and we were getting close to the finale, and Shannon was really into the show. I was enjoying it too, but she was really into it. And we uh, talked about it, and we were like, hey, let's record an episode over this thing. Because she was trying, she was digging for a good Stranger Things podcast, uh, just discussion uh, over some of the more interesting, nuanced aspects of Stranger Things. But she said that she couldn't really find anybody getting getting deep the way she was wanting to get deep. So anyway, we decided to do an episode over it. Uh, there were, uh, so the, let me start this thing off with saying that there are spoilers in this thing. So... If you have not watched Stranger Things and you want to watch Stranger Things and you want stuff to be a surprise, I would say do not listen to this episode. But if you uh, have seen Stranger Things or you don't really care about uh, spoilers, I mean, we talk about a lot of other stuff uh, outside of Stranger Things that we just thought were relevant. So it's a pretty fun episode. I think uh, either way, if you've watched it or haven't watched it, just know that there's some spoilers. Uh, there are some things that I was really looking forward to talking about in this episode that we missed, and we'll have to circle back, maybe hit on it in another episode about, uh, maybe a different show or something, but one of the things was, uh, and I hate that she's not here to, to iterate on it, but, um, Shannon, after every episode that we watch, hops on Reddit, and, and hops in, finds the subreddit of that episode, and reads what people think, so... She can read people's reactions from before knowing the end of the story. So like the night of the premiere, the week of the premiere, or whatever. So she did a whole bunch with Mr. Robot. She's She did it a ton with Stranger Things. She's currently doing it with Westworld. We're watching Westworld, and uh, that's the first thing she does as soon as the episode ends. But we didn't get a chance to talk about it uh, on the episode. But that is a, a very interesting aspect of this culture that this streaming culture that has developed that i think is unique anyway i really hope you enjoy this episode thank you for uh, listening thank you for taking the time even to make it uh this far into the into the episode um if if you do enjoy this episode i would invite you to engage uh with us somehow reach out through the website uh through instagram or through this episode wherever you're listening to it like leave a comment or hit a uh, up button or whatever uh also if there's some things that y'all want us to talk about or you think would be interesting uh, hit us up we're always looking for ideas 
and uh, share it somewhere. Share it with a friend, share it on like a social media or whatever you do. And then uh, just most important of all, thank you for listening. Uh, We are enjoying this process and we're hoping to get more consistent. Um, And until then, bear with us. Uh, It's coming. Consistency is coming. Uh, So thank you and enjoy the show. What gives you the right? Well, I am a ticking time bomb of fury. This can't be happening, man. This isn't happening. Well, what if there is no tomorrow? So stop melting, ladies, because the boy is hotter than hot. I'm the best chance you've got. All right. It's been a little while since we've done an episode. Yeah, it's been a few months. A few months. Well, like six. Yeah, probably six months. But we did record one that didn't end up becoming a thing because we both sounded terrible because I think we were both sick. Remember that one? I don't remember being sick, but I do remember we may be all over the place. We were both snotting all over the place. (laughs) Yes, I do. It was absolutely terrible. So, but we've wanted to do a show like this for a while where we're speaking about um something relevant in pop culture uh we've we've talked about maybe doing some where we watch shows different shows and then and then do little analysis ish things over them not really overviews or critiques yeah this is my favorite thing to do because i think people oftentimes create or they see a disconnect between pop culture and analysis, critical theory, anything like that. And the truth is that pop culture is imbued with meaning. So there's always something to look for and look at. And so that's kind of what we're doing. It's Well, and, uh, that's what I think is so interesting about, you know, the culture I grew up in, there was a little bit of hating the popular thing. So the thing that everybody liked, you kind of wanted to not like it so that you were different or whatever. Uh, but the truth is, like when Taylor Swift comes on the radio, most people bob their head. Like pop music is pop music for a reason. And I think pop culture is pop culture for a reason. Uh, not to say that it's somehow unintentional or something. Yeah, I think it's, I think it's still intentional, intentional, but that's what we can study. Right. Why are these things intentionally coming into pop culture? Why... Why do we like these things? What do we see in them? And what does it tell us about our values of this time period? Right. And so that's kind of that's kind of what the idea behind recording episodes like this is. And we specifically pick Stranger Things um, because, one, we just finished uh, the fourth season. Because we love it. And we have watched every season as it's come out and enjoyed every season, I think. I, um, there's a couple of little spots in it that I think we've both been a little bit critical of. Yeah, um, I don't think it's 100% perfect. But they've done a really good it's job. It's very enjoyable. But it's definitely a cultural phenomena. And I think one of the things that's interesting about Stranger Things in particular is that it redefines an era whilst defining an era. Like, it's defining our era for us. Like, it, it will be like, Will will remember when Stranger Things was coming out. You know? Yeah. So it's kind of a... I don't know. I think we're going to start... I saying, thought you were going to talk about the 80s, so that's what I was kind of thrown off. Like, it was de- redefining an era. No, that's what I'm saying. Okay. It is redefining the 80s. Yes. It's redefining the 80s, but it's going to be the definition of, like, now. Yeah. You know, like it, this will always be the time Stranger Things was coming out and it was a cultural phenomena, yeah. even though it's redefining a different era. Yes. Anyway, I just thought this was something that popped in my head that I thought was kind of interesting. That is but interesting. one of the things that's fun about it is that my father-in-law, who is in his 60s, uh, approached me and started talking to me about Stranger Things, as well as like a 26-year-old guy that I work with at work, you know? And then people from all different types of backgrounds, all different ages. It appeals to a very large audience. It appeals to a very large audience, but it's also being consumed by a very large audience, which I think this is the first time in history that something like this has been. So, like, 
uh, I thought it was interesting because it's the new mass media. So the, the mass media of, let's say, 30 years ago was sitcoms, right? You had sitcoms or Seinfeld or um, I can't even think, Frasier. But it was these independent, standalone episodes that basically were meant to be consumed um, independently of each other. Does that make sense? Yeah. And so now with the advent of streaming and the internet, you're able to have these mini-series that are made to be consumed as you have time to consume them. You know? Whether well, that- and it's one of the beginning works of Netflix. It wasn't the first Netflix original, but it was one of the That's first true. Netflix originals. It really was. So it really is a new era of TV. Mm-hmm. Well, and I... the The... Streaming and the technology and how the art is distributed has impacted the art, I believe. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's changed TV for sure. And so the miniseries is kind of like the new sitcom. Um, The only difference is that it has this huge ability to build larger narratives, Mm -hmm. to build, to construct larger worlds. So whenever I think of this, I think specifically of other examples it would be like Mr. Robot, Breaking Bad. Those were still during um, conventional sitcom type structure where it releases on a schedule on network television. Um, but then there's also been things like uh, Westworld and WandaVision or Wanda. Was it called WandaVision? WandaVision. WandaVision. Yeah. Um, and then, of course as we're talking about Stranger Things, this is almost like a new way of creating. It's not a movie, but it's definitely not a TV show. You know, it's it's almost more like you a... You can go more in depth. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I mean, they did it with like Game of Thrones and some other different shows. There's been yeah. some big shows. And like even the term binge-watching is now a thing where that never was a thing beforehand. But now you can binge-watch a whole show. Some people. I mean, I can't, but... We don't. We don't. But anyway, um, I just think that this is like the beginning of next level art. A next level of art. And as with anything that uh, has multiple level art in it, you know, there are many layers to it. Right? So anything that we're seeing, there's one, the visual component. There's this sound component. This music component. Um, but then there's also a layer of theory and, uh, what are they actually saying? This deeper level of narrative. So first off, we're going to throw a quick out overview. So to be clear, there will probably be like spoilers in this episode. Uh, so if somebody's like, hasn't there watched, probably will be spoilers. Yeah. if somebody hasn't watched the last season, probably don't listen to this until you watch the last season. But th- this is really more of a an episode for people who've watched it or don't really care to watch it. Even if you haven't watched it, I think this episode's fine. Yeah, yeah, but that's what I'm saying is if you're like, like Shannon uh, is very particular about... Uh, I hate spoilers. Yeah, she hates spoilers. So this is for the Shannons of the world. I, on the other hand, don't mind spoilers. Like, I could know the ending of a movie and still enjoy the movie. Now, no, just granted, ruined it. There's certain movies that are better to not know, like Fight Club, right? Like, I'm glad I didn't know And the I ending. knew the ending going into yeah, it. Yeah, I you knew pissed. the ending. So, that's a big change. But anyway, <laughs> just as a, as a little bit of warning, but uh, so those of you that are still with us, here is just a quick overview over the entirety of Stranger. Because I remember when we started season four, it was hard for me to remember what had happened in the previous seasons. Let's take a tour of Hawkins, shall we? We'll take a a quick tour. So it's about a show or the show is about a girl with supernatural, supernatural abilities. Her name is 11. She came from the lab, the Hawkins lab, which was testing on her. They were trying to use her to act as a government spy. Well, see, this is a different part of the plot. I was just getting to, I was just summarizing the plot. Right, right, right. She escapes. She is found by some preteen boys who who protect her and uh, hide her, basically. What we find out later is that there is another portal to another dimension, and Eleven has access to this other dimension. 
there are villains who come out, and Eleven and the kids have to fight the villains every season. Right. There's just an overall understanding yeah, that's, of the Yeah, that's show. a good over overview. One of the things that I think is really interesting, what kind of got us wanting to do this episode, was when we were talking about it as we were watching season four, We there's this huge error of uh, cover-up and government conspiracy and... What do you want to say? No, I'm th- I'm just listening. Um, this huge era of like government conspiracy, and you know you have <clears throat> one uh, an alternate dimension, <clears throat> which most people would say is a conspiracy theory that or that the government knows about an alternate you know dimension and stuff. So that's one aspect of it. You have this huge aspect of the Cold War going on in it, you know, with the Russians and the Americans. And you have this secret underground Russian base built in Hawkins. Underneath the mall. Underneath the mall, right? Corporate America, consumeristic mall that, you know, uh, shuts down Main Street in a way. Kills the small businesses. Kills all the small businesses. But so you have all of these different layers of what would be called conspiracy theories. Well, and I think even, especially in season four, you have the question of who's the bad guy. And Eleven's been like wondering who's the monster. And she thinks she might be the monster. And then she thinks the monsters are one of the monsters. And then she realizes that basically the government, the people who were testing were the actual monsters because they created all of this. Although... By testing and... To be fair, Vecna... Was already a monster. Was already a monster. Yeah. And they, they learned from... They they pulled that monster in, gave him special treatment, and then started creating other monsters. Yeah, so I think... And again, nothing is binary, right? Go right. back and listen to one of our other episodes. Oh. <laughs> but it just asked the question of, like, who is good, who is bad? And of course, nothing is either one entirely. But I do think it's interesting how they frame it to show the government in a negative light. I just think it's interesting that this is a show that's very popular today. Like the number one show. Right. The number one show. We're in a time where conspiracy theories are deemed It's very polarizing. Lunatic. It's a very polarizing. It's as polarizing now as it's ever been. Yeah, like if someone says anything, oh, that's just a crazy conspiracy theory. Mm-hmm. Yet, the number one show is almost based upon conspiracy theories. It's all conspiracy theory. And so there seems to be some sort of... It's like, why is the public wanting to consume a story about conspiracy and supernatural and all this stuff whenever in actual society it's being deemed like ridiculous or well and especially polarized. in the show we have the lab like we talked about who's doing the testing what the lab does is they cover up anything that looks somewhat odd so when 11 escapes and now there's uh stories coming out about a girl with abilities or whatnot they are tapping the phone lines and listening in and they'll right. go change the narrative that they need to change so when will in season one disappears and he goes into the alternate dimension, the lab has to come in, come in and cover up that story. Right. And that consists of even placing a fake dead body in order to get people off of their trail. Mm-hmm. So we're not talking about just some like surface-level cover-up. We're talking about pretty deep government cover-ups that they're willing to do in order to hide their secrets. And, and it's like they, there's not really a governing body over them. It's just Papa, basically. This guy was running this lab. Which is also an interesting analysis right. that we'll get to. But like he just pulls all the strings and there's nobody he's answering to, you know? No, I think we kind of see it a little bit in season four that the lab has to answer to the who is the the general was who's the guy at the very end? Oh yeah, that guy comes in. Yeah. yeah so it's so a branch he, of the military, basically. Yes. And they think that Eleven is being used as some sort of spy to kill people. Right. So they're coming in to stop now, the lab. So, I mean, you do have multiple tiers of things, but 
like we said, there just seems to be this disconnect from the way our society understands and views conspiracy theories with the entertainment we're consuming. Well, and also, I think another interesting... See, all this stuff is in the show, but pretty subtle in the show. But even how the kids, when they talk about the earthquake at the mall, right? They all play in... They they all lie. They all cover it up. Well, yeah, so the, the alternate dimension is only known by... People who, I mean, by the kids, really. It's by the kids and a few adults that know about it. And then the government. And then the government. That is it. And so, both governments, like Russia and the United States, both know about it. Yeah, so there has to be cover-up for anything supernatural that happens. And so the kids are, you know, oh, when when uh, all those people died in that earthquake last year, right? Whenever in reality the mind flare was snatching up all these people and killing them, um, the the standard story, the standard narrative that they handed out to everybody was, no, it was just a really bad earthquake and all these people died in that earthquake. In the mall. Well, the mall was a fire. The earthquake was, the, was from season four. Oh. The, the the earthquake was when Hawkins split. Okay, I thought But the, the, the mall was a fire. They said there's well, big, oh, fl- a big fire, fire happened and killed people and destroyed the mall. And so they, yeah, they demolished the mall that has this Russian, you know lab underneath it it's just it's interesting they provide cover-up stories yes it's just interesting that uh that is being you know paralleled with like the other mass media really demonizing conspiracy theories yeah so you have one mass media which everybody's paying attention to and everybody's consuming number one show in the world putting forth forth one narrative and the people consuming it and then the other mass media the corporate mass media putting forward that conspiracy theories are dumb. Yeah, which is funny because we've been wanting to do a podcast about conspiracy theories for a while Mm -hmm. anyways. Just because the narrative on them has shifted to, like you said, very polarizing today. Yeah. Where I don't think it had always been so polarizing. Well, it, it used to be a fringe group, right? So it wasn't really polarizing because most people thought conspiracy theories were silly. And there was just very few people who actually thought that they were real. And now there's such a large number of people who are like, no, this is definitely a conspiracy. Um, That now it's polarizing because instead of it just being a fringe movement, it's actually moved into the circle. It's actually a competing hemisphere of the circle. Yeah. And so what I think is interesting about that. It's, it doesn't, I don't think that that line goes with the party line. So they, they want to make everything a dualistic Democrat Republican issue. But if you look at conspiracy theorists, quote unquote, and you draw that hemisphere, it's probably half, it probably splits the party line perpendicularly to where half of the people who are conspiracy theorists are right, half are left. There are a lot of leftists, left-leaning people, who believe in conspiracy theories. Well, well, (laughs) this might be polarizing. I don't know. But it seems like both sides, and I'm I'm not on a side, both sides have a conspiracy theory they believe in. Now, I guess what's polarizing is calling these things conspiracy theories when each side will firmly believe in their theory that they're believing in. Well, I'm just saying that both sides believe in a conspiracy theory. Right. But we tend to, like, what I get from the general consensus is that conspiracy theory is a Republican thing. Right. And that it's... The de- demonized. It's... Yeah. The demonized... And, like, Trump. Like, I think conspiracy theory and Trump almost get linked together. Which I have been linked. Like, I, I've i only ever voted Libertarian. Um, but whenever I post stuff that is conspiracy-esque... On social media, or even something like there was something about sex trafficking with Epstein. Yeah. And I posted something about that. And somebody posted on me and said, Hey, that's a conspiracy theory. There's actual real sex traffic victims. And if you choose to focus on that Trump thing, then you, uh, you know, you're lost or whatever, you're off. And so to me, it's interesting because. To me, that that should have nothing to do with Trump, and I'm not saying we should neglect one side of victims in 
pursuit of these other victims or anything, yeah. you know. But. Well, I think it's just reshaping narratives. I think with Trump's fake news, that became anybody who believes that all this stuff is fake news is a conspiracy theorist. Right. I guess not even to say, like, anything is right or wrong. It is just interesting because I think if you were to postulate the world of Hawkins being here, we would be demonizing anybody who says, hey, guess what? There's actually another dimension and the government or this laboratory is lying to us. Mm-hmm. That person would be crazy, right? Right. And we actually do see that in, I think, season one when Winona Ryder is saying, no, the, this is not my real son's body. It's a fake body. And everyone's like, okay, okay you're crazy. Cra- crazy single, you know, crazy yeah. single mom. Well, and like, they associate like, it with her being a single mom and being poor. Right. She's always been a little crazy. She, her husband left her and she doesn't have a lot of money. Which is interesting how they link all those things together. Right. But in the end, she's correct. So if that were to happen today, we would say she's crazy. But in the show world, she's right. So it is kind of... That is one of the interesting parts of uh, season one especially, is that the kids never stop looking for Will, and his mom never stopped looking. I mean, she's the true hero of the show. Well, she like figures out <laughs> yeah. the pattern, and she, you know... But what's what's crazy is that they have to get this... Like, they almost have to get Hopper on board... You know, well, yeah, anybody that they tell us about, nobody believes other than the kids. The kids are always pretty believing, they instantly they're They're like, okay, why not? Mm -hmm. (laughs) But the adults are so ingrained into their own thoughts about what is and isn't that they can't believe something would differ from their own narrative, right? Yeah, and so it is, it's a I think that that's what's interesting is it just calls into question the narrative, right? Yeah. It, Whose narrative are you listening to and why? Because, like, for instance, the dad, um, Nancy and Mike's dad, that character who's just always He's like, just always on screen sitting on a couch or, yeah, or sitting watching TV and, yeah, or he reading the newspaper or reading his newspaper. He's completely oblivious to this extreme danger. That his happening. kids are in. Yeah, his kids are in. The whole time, even in season four, he's like, well, I think we should let the kids spend the night in jail, learn a lesson, learn a life lesson. He's just completely oblivious that there's this entire conflict going on, you know? And I think that that's interesting that they put forth that narrative of the dad, you know? Then there, then you've got a contradictory dad with Papa. I guess that's that's another topic, but... To wrap up conspiracy theories, it what I really liked about Stranger Things was that even the the kids are almost complete like they're telling you like question question the narrative what's actually going on here let's figure out what's actually happening here. Well, you and know? I think it just even in today, not in the world of Hawkins, but in today, when did it become wrong to ask questions? And of course, if you're asking questions. For your own, if you're asking questions to destroy someone's own thoughts or whatever, that's not good. That can be harmful. But if you're asking questions to truly understand things, when is that harmful? Right. And why are we considering that bad today? And I do always think it's interesting. Again, I don't think this is political at all, but do we truly think the government tells us everything? Well... We know the government doesn't tell yeah, us. Yeah, I mean, they. there are things the government does not tell us. Well, have you ever seen, like, a document that they release that's redacted? And it's got all these black lines. And yeah. All, you can only read, like, three words on the entire page. Well, yeah, and all the things that they, they put out, like, 20 years later. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, yes, there are tons of things that the government knows that they don't tell us. And that's fine. I mean, obviously, the government cannot tell us every single thing that they know. I get that. I'm not arguing with that. But then I think it is crazy to me that we take everything at face value knowing that there's so many things we don't know. Well, I think one of the things that's cool about Stranger Things is it integrates a real-world conspiracy, MKUltra, right? Yeah. So all through the 60s and 70s, I'm sure that there was people saying, dude, I'm telling you, the government is snatching people up and they're doing experiments on them with psychedelics and trying to make them go crazy. And people are like, no way, that's a conspiracy theory. There's no way that's happening. And now we have uh, 
you know, evidence that, that it came out that it not was only actually did it happen legit. to uh, the Unabomber Ted Kaczynski, Ted Kaczynski, but it all Charles Manson. Yeah, he was. Uh, they experimented on him during the MK Ultra days, yeah. and actually like taught him how to like create a cult. You know, yeah, and like released him out. Well, of and that's what I was going to say about the Unabomber Ted Kaczynski. We a lot of people today look at the Unabomber saying, "Look at this horrible, evil man who wanted to murder people," right? And nobody, like, how many of us are blaming the government for what he did? Like, the the that guy was literally mentally experimented on. At, he was like fifteen or something. He was yeah. a child genius. And he was, he was a at super Harvard. Ge- yeah, super genius. So he was disconnected from family. And friends was at this new place. And they like made him think his mom hated him or something. Yeah, they conducted all these mental, like these experiments on him that basically left him completely isolated and alone and, and yeah, believing these false narratives about society and himself. And then he went on. And then correctly wanting to demolish society. Yeah, the people that hurt him, you know, and like that's what he hated institutions and things like that because that's where all this bad stuff happened to him. And not to go too far into him, but. He, I mean, he was the product of a conspiracy theory, you know, like right. a real thing that happened, but we still overlook that part and mm-hmm. still just look at him that he bombed people, which, I mean, is horrible. That's not good. Yeah. But how about it being a product of MK Ultra? Right. You know? Right. Like, it's like... Which was try like, which was covered up originally. When, why haven't any, why haven't any government officials gone to jail? Well, he, that's over, a whole other story. <laughs> over MK Ultra, right? Or over yeah. these different things that you look back on them and it's like, wow, that costs not only a bunch of lives, but a lot of money for the taxpayers, you know, for the, the government yeah. spent to clean up their mess or whatever. And that most of it, they've never even cleaned up, so... But anyway, all of that to say that I think Stranger Things does a really good job of creating that. Oh, Integ- uh, integrating it into the story without it yeah. being the central focus of the story. Yes, I agree. It's always in the background. Yeah. Which is really cool. I um it's more explicit in Mr. Robot, but I think that's one of the things that's cool about Mr. Robot too is it's just happening in the background. Yeah. You know, there, there's also a narrative running in the front. So Yeah. And then I guess maybe um, Breaking Bad too. you could say that. So anyway, um, what, do you have anything else to say? No, I'm just thinking. It, it is, it is fun. Um, I, sometimes I do worry that I'm projecting conspiracy into everything now because I mean, not so, Stranger Things. That one is things. legitimately in front of us. Right. The kids are saying one thing, the parents don't believe it, the lab is covering everything up. That's, mm-hmm. people would have called that a conspiracy theory. Right, that's true. The government is hiding interdimensions and demons and whatnot, or demogorgons, yeah. you know. Like, Doing oh, experiments okay. on trying to develop weapons. Yeah, I mean, that is a conspiracy theory, mm-hmm. you know. So yeah, I do think it's just interesting that we sit here and watch it. Most of the time people are watching this to not think, but there's a lot to be said about it. Well, I do think, you know, I I can almost hear some people saying like, wow, you're really reading too much into that. But when you really... Am think, I reading into it or am I just seeing what's in front of that's us? That's what I think is interesting. Um, the people who make these shows, and especially with these new budgets they have and the new um, freedom that streaming allows them, they are able to to create narratives and infuse things like has never existed before in human history. Well, and there's one thing I do want to address because it's, as an English major, it's the one thing I get a lot. Like everyone says right off the bat, oh, what if the curtains were just blue? What if the author did not mean anything and you're reading all of this into it? Okay, well, what I have to say about that is even if the author did not intentionally do things, the fact that they are in the story is still very telling about society. The author's decision to include these things still has value in it. The the author is a reflection. So let's just say... Um, goodness, I'm just trying to think of a good example now. And the I just, green light in... Uh... 
Well, not even that. I was trying to think of like a really basic one. So let's just say you go to, um, you're doing a story about George Washington and he has, he's putting on his wig to go somewhere, right? And the author's like, I didn't mean anything by it. Like he was just putting on his wig. That's, that's not, that doesn't have meaning in it. Well, okay, but what does it mean to us now? Like it is very telling about the structure of their society. Why did they wear wigs? Who wore the wigs and what did, what did it mean? Mm -hmm. So even though in those times it was just natural, people like men in parliament wore wigs a lot of times because their hair was sweat dirty. I don't know. I don't know why they did that. I'd have to actually double check. I thought I'd read that, that it was supposed to be clean. Like some of the TV shows and stuff where they like depict it. It's almost like the wig is an accessory. Like they don't. Like, they still wear their normal hair. Yeah. And then they have the wig on top of their hair. So it's almost like it's a hat. You yeah. Know? So I don't know. Or what if the... you go into another book, I don't know, if you go into another show from the 80s and you see a white man and wife get married and the author says, well, I don't mean anything by it. That's just what it is. Okay. Why is it a white man and wife getting married? That's still indicative of the narrative of the time. Right. So today in shows, if we do see maybe a black gay couple, that shows the times. Like so, even these mundane or choices. Like Sonic. Sonic is a good example because um, I don't remember the actor's or actress's name, but Sonic's like adopted parents are one's white and one's black. Oh, yeah. You know? And so it's kind of one of those things like... It's reflecting the times. It is reflecting the times where it's just like, no, I mean, white and black people get married together. The writer of that may not have may have said not even that it. was completely unintentional. I didn't put any meaning into it, but it still is reflecting today's mm-hmm. values. And so that's just kind of a rant. But people always say, well, maybe the author didn't mean anything. That's fine, but we can still look at these things at his, as historical evidence. Well, and especially a show as... Uh, cinematic as Stranger Things. They're making intentional decisions. They're making everything as an intentional decision. Yeah. I, I really... Uh, what's really cool about, I think, Mr. Robot, I think specifically... We'll have to do our own episode on that soon. They have these like little mini music videos in them. So there's times where the dialogue is turned off and the music is turned way up. And mm-hmm. you have this little montage scene i think specifically of like the mr robot one where he finally gets on his then he get on some sort of a drug that makes him forget uh, adderall adderall yeah and he's like skipping around yeah and it's, you know real light or whatever but uh one of the things i wanted to comment on is in stranger things two songs master of puppets from metallica and running up that hill from kate bush are both at like number one. Yeah, they both again. became number one again after the shows. Aired, after it's after aired. those episodes. So aired. more than thirty years later, they're number one songs. Both of the songs in the TV show. Part of the reason I think they hit so hard is because they are part of these like video music video montages that fit into the story. They work them in real well. It's very 80s-esque, you know, because... Yeah, I was going to say, I think we had talked about this a little bit before the episode, but it kind of goes into a whole meta-conspiracy theory about shows in general, I think, and nostalgia. Because both of those songs and the videos that went with them in the show were very 80s. Like, that Master of Puppets was... Oh, straight out of the 80s. And it was awesome. Like, that's why people loved it, is because it was such a trope. Yeah, it's a... It's, you know, metal music in a... Upside down. Upside down. With all the, you know, the red skies and lightning and, yeah, bat. Not that anything is wrong with liking that. Like, I do think that's awesome, and it's cool that people are appreciating it appreciating that but it's also interesting if we are wanting to go back to a make-believe past because times were better then and i do think i think stranger things does a good job of showing some more real elements of the 80s and not just purely romanticizing it well and i think specifically with joyce like stranger things could have made the 80s almost appeal to the nostalgia of the 80s but i really think they invoked it more as a adversarial, you know, like they focus the, the lead character 
in season one for sure is Joyce, I think. Yeah, she's Winona like, Ryder. She, Renona Ryder. She's the lead character. She's a single mom who's trying to take care of two boys and has to leave them at home and go to work. Yeah, the only reason her son went miss not the only reason, one of the reasons her son went missing is because she had to be at work. Her other son was supposed to cover like as babysitter, but he had to go do something else. And so Will was home alone. And that's when he disappeared. Yeah, so it was kind of a product of her financial situation. Right. And the fact that the dad of the family left. Yeah. And so I think what's interesting is from right at the beginning, the that with that family, um, the 80s is not presented as just hunky-dory. Well, and the great. dad only tried to come back in when he found out that there was going to be a reward for Will. Or there's some there's some financial compensation he only wanted. Or there was a payout. Darn it, I can't remember. I can't remember what happened Yes, there's the some sort of payout that the dad was going to get for like life insurance or something. Or a, a payout with Will missing. That if... Joyce filed for this, she could get money. And she found out that the dad only came back in the picture because he thought he could get the money. Mm. So then she, so he shows up for a little bit of season one and then she kicks him out again. So yeah, there's that depiction of a dad. Like you talked about, there's Mike's depiction of his dad who's, he goes to work and he provides for his family, but other than that, he is literally checked out. Right. And he's got this like trophy wife who's like, uh, trying to bang high school kids. Trying to bang high school yeah. kids. I mean, it's like, what? <laughs> and then you have Eleven's papa, who is the lab director, mm-hmm. who is, I mean, I would say bad. I guess there are things that you could maybe say like are- clinical. Very, yeah. I mean, he de- he tested on her, exp- he experimented with her, but he built the relationship on father and daughter. He called Eleven his daughter, but he did not treat her like a daughter. She was a patient. Well, and it, it was interesting. She was a patient, but other than the kids being kept there, there wasn't really any torture. I would say that he tortured her. When? I mean, there's numerous clips of her screaming and crying because she didn't want to do something. But that was after. That was after she threw one into the other dimension, right? So whenever we first come in and like I still all think that- it's a huge... I mean, even by today's definition... That relationship couldn't happen. Like, she was doing things for him because he was an older superior who was manipulating the relationship. No, I agree with that. I agree with that. I'm not saying it was... She did things for him because she thought he loved her and he was using her. Right, right. It was a very abusive relationship. Oh, yeah. No, definitely. And he was... I think what's interesting is he is kind of this amoral... Like, he's like the representation of the amoral scientist. Where he's saying, hey, look... I'm not doing anything bad. I'm just trying to well, innovate. Well, and on one know? hand, he did strengthen Eleven's powers and even the second time around regained her powers for her. So you, there is something to be said that, hey, he did do his job. Right. And I'm sure Eleven is glad to have her powers. Like she does in, in season four, she misses them when she doesn't have them. She wants them. But at the same time, he did completely abuse her. Right. So it just kind of shows a multifaceted view of him. Right. But yeah, I think right out of the gate, you have this depiction of the father figure that is primarily negative. You know, even Hopper, although he comes around later on, in season one, he is this drunk, kind of lazy... Well, that's what I was going to say. So um, looking back on the 80s, we have... Well, let's just go through. You kind of threw out the Mike and um, Nancy's family. Yeah. But that's what I was going to say is really the two shows, in my opinion, the the show's two hero adult figures is Joyce and Hopper. Yeah. And so Hopper comes into the scene and he is the sheriff of the town and he's a drunk He's um, kind of drifting in a sense. He's out of shape and, you know. Joyce has to be on him to do his job. Joyce is like, let's go. Let's get this done. Well, he ends up being, in season four, we get even more of his backstory. And he's a vet who got infected with, like, Agent Orange, I think it was, in Vietnam. And he had a kid that ended up dying basically because because of his genetic problem that he got yeah, she in the had military. cancer and died. Which we do learn that in, in 
the first we season. We learned that he had a kid that died. and It that just still shows. Left. Yeah, his wife left but and we he don't seems know like he went off the rocker. We don't know, of. but we end up finding out. Anyway, oh, I'm just saying. I'm just saying it, it sets up a view of man that isn't necessarily positive. Right. Season right. one does. Right. Now, some of them do come around by season four and change. Well, and then you have a couple of uh, blips. Like, who was the, the boyfriend? Which The same white gougy. Oh, Bob. Bob, man. Sean Astin. Yeah, Sean Austin. Aston. So, Aston. 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 Yeah. Anyway, you have Bob comes in. and I like, hope I'm saying that right. There's no U in it. I don't know how to say it. Um, <laughs> but you have him come in, and he's like the man. You know? He's running a small business. Joyce works for him, right? Uh, I, or is it a different... He's he's into computers and stuff. Yeah. Yes. But anyway, what? Oh, I was just going to say, I don't know if this is what you're getting at or not. We like Bob. Bob seems to be great, is a good representation of a man. And he's killed. Well, he's killed, but he also gives Will the bad advice. And he unintentionally, he was trying to be helpful to Will because Will is seeing the Mind Flayer. Right. And the Mind Flayer's coming to get him, and Will tells Bob... Basically, that something's out to get him, and Bob thinks that he's just talking about a bully and says, well, what you have to do is you have to stand your ground. You have to stop running. You have to stand up for yourself, which is what Will does, and the Mind Flayer captures him. Right. Now, you could argue that Will was going to be captured no matter what, but it is kind of interesting that the dad figure tries to give this advice, and it still just goes wrong. Right. Well, and he's actually the trying to take care of Joy's... Yeah. Trying to take her on nice dates. But then he also helps figure out that it's a map of Hawkins. He's a real smart dude. Yeah. Well, and I think just going off of the father figure one, you also, they do depict racism quite a bit, especially through Billy. Yeah, Billy's a racist. You know, so I, and then we have female leads. You have Eleven, you have Mm -hmm. Joyce, you have Max by season four to where you do. And they're not feminine women. That's one of my favorite things about Joyce is that she looks like a disheveled mom. You know, they didn't make her Jennifer Aniston. Right. Let's have this hot mom that everyone wants to bang. No, that's one of the other moms who's banging Billy. Right. But you have a realistic depiction of a mom. Right. And so it's a show that's not just imagining. And she's hustling. Well, yeah. And like it's... every time you see her, she's like, I'm doing this job. I'm doing this job. She's always working. Yeah. It's not people in spandex doing aerobics. Like, right. let's look hot and let's look like Barbie dolls. It's no, you have Eleven with her head shaved. You have Max, who's a tomboy. Mm-hmm. You have Joyce, who's a disheveled single mom. Single mom. So, what's her name? Uma Thurman's kid. I don't really. Oh, like. Maya Hot. Yeah, Robin. Robin. Robin, who's a lesbian. Right. You know, so I. And then you have by season four, Will, who's gay. But then you also have just Nancy, who is kind of like. The goody two shoes yeah. kid, but, but they're she showing also, many sides of right. what women can look like. Mm-hmm. Where I feel like eighties very much wanted a certain type of woman, right? Flat, yeah. Like it was very flat, one um, dimensional, one dimensional. That's what. Yeah, and now we do get several depictions of various women, and so I feel like you had the eighties, what people depict, and what was the overlying like narrative for the eighties, and then Stranger Things come back comes back through and say no, like. All these other people existed. They just maybe didn't get their stories. Right. And so now it's kind of cool. Like I said, on a meta conspiracy theory level, the show is reshaping how we're viewing certain things. Mm -hmm. And may, I mean, it's funny saying maybe more realistic when we're also talking about interdimensional monsters. Right. But they're showing us some more of the, and the cold war, like you said, we're seeing the Russians. We're seeing the small businesses go out. Right. We're seeing certain sides of the 80s that many people like myself, like I wasn't around in the 80s. I Most of what I learned from the 80s is through other things because I wasn't there. So it's it's providing more context. Well, and it is, it is kind of meta in the sense that these kids are fighting this interdimensional evil thing that's coming through and trying to attack them. Meanwhile... The rural town is getting like nuked, basically. Like Main Street's dead, corporatism's alive, all the small businesses are going out. You know, you have um, even down for like uh, Max and Eddie, 
living in the same trailer park yeah together you know and all that stuff it's just it's interesting that you that they're actually showing this more nuanced view of that era of the 80s yeah which is very reminiscent to like what's currently ooh i just forgot something that i was going to say okay okay you forgot it or remembered it? I you forgot for- it until I remembered it. Okay, you just remembered something <laughs> that you had forgotten to say. Yes, exactly okay. that. Right. Okay, so on the line of conspiracy theories within Stranger Things, I think we're forgetting one major character, and I can't believe we just forgot about this. Oh, Murray? No, Jason. Jason? Oh, yeah. We- the basketball mm-hmm. uh, star captain. Right. So he wants to go out and avenge his girlfriend's death. So he's looking for Eddie, right? Right. And so he thinks that they're doing satanic cults and he wants to go find them. So what I found interesting is whenever I was kind of looking online, I was trying to look up Stranger Things and seeing if anybody else is talking about conspiracy theories within Stranger Things. And the one I came across was specifically talking about Jason and how we... How Stranger Things shows us how conspiracy theories get started and how they are harmful. And they compare it to COVID. And so they show Jason, who is given very little information, that Eddie is a suspect and his girlfriend is dead. And Jason runs with that and lets it overtake him and lets him, or lets it... like murder, like pretty much murderous. He murderous in this, like, pursuit of trying to find justice for Chrissy. Mm Mm-hmm. And so I've that that was what popped up when searching for conspiracy theories is that Stranger Things shows us how conspiracy theories are bad. Right. Which it's like, well, but what about the whole lab covering up Will disappearing? Yeah. And Barb's death. Let's not talk about that. Nobody talks about Barb. Justice for Barb. Yeah, no joke. So I just thought that was mind blowing. Because I do get what they're saying. I think, if anything, you could argue that Stranger Things shows multi- like multiple sides to conspiracy theories. That there are conspiracy theories, but when taken too far, they can also become dangerous. Right. But to completely only say that they're dangerous while eliminating the fact that the boys uncovering and Eleven uncovering the conspiracy theory is what saved Will. Well, what I think is interesting about that, too, and I never made this connection until just now, but you've got... What's the guy's name? Football player? You were just talking about him? The basketball player? Oh, basketball player. Jason? Jason. Jeez. <laughs> so you've got you've got Jason and he develops this theory completely isolated by himself. One satanic panic. He well yeah. yeah, and he so he runs the whole conspiracy in his head and then he's leading the guys to go do this deal. The way that the kids, the boys, do it, they do it in more of a uh, egalitarian way. Of where each time they each have a thought, they bounce it off each other and they develop the theory within with within their group. So I do think that's interesting because you got Jason who's individual, makes the theory and then goes murder. And, well, and then he goes and tells the whole town mm-hmm. and tries to lead the whole town in this act of finding Eddie. Right. To murder him. To murder him. Yeah. Yeah, it's crazy. Yeah, so I do. Th- I just thought that was very interesting. Mm-hmm. That we do. I mean, I guess we do see multiple sides of conspiracy theories within Stranger Things. Yeah, and there is that interesting. There is an interesting aspect of even th- the some of the scenes that they do and how they framed them, where you really did get scared that like Eddie was going to be murdered by. This well, group of boys, I mean, you know? Spoiler alert. Right. Not right. by the group of boys. Right, but but, but that's yeah. what you think. At the beginning, I'm kind of like, dang, these kids are going to find him. They're going to murder him. they're going to murder him, you know? And that somehow, they, that is, that really does happen. You know, that side of it. But then on the other side, we've got this multiple dimensions and demigorgons. Well, and I think in the same bats. way, when we talk about conspiracy theories, I think that is the problem with lumping everything into one category. There are crazy ideas, and then there are theories. Now and then somewhere in the middle, there are, like, conspiracy theories. Mm-hmm. But, which we've talked about before, like, in school, I take a critical theory class. Every grad student is required to take critical theory, which is theory. It's right. theoretical. They're ideas. Now, we're not talking about conspiracy theories, but they are 
um, critical theories looking at society in certain ways. And it's just funny how it's not that far off. No, it's the same thing. Now you can go way off the deep end and say, we're lizard people and we're living on a flat earth. Not that we're lizard people. There are lizard people and they live on a flat earth. Right. So, I mean, again, there's like this huge variety of what falls into well, conspiracy see, and I even theory. Think, I even think that's interesting because um, I've always been a connoisseur of uh, conspiracy theories. I've always liked them. But whenever people find out that I like conspiracy theories or that I'm into some conspiracies or like into it in quotes, you know, that I've like looked into them basically, they always jump with, Oh, and I bet you don't think pigeons are real, and I bet you think the Earth is flat, and I bet you, um, what's the the other one that they? It's three that I've never even heard uh, actually proposed. What? You know? Yeah. I've never heard them actually even proposed by people who propose conspiracies. Like they're all complete fake, quote unquote, conspiracies, right? Like the pigeons aren't real. Have you heard that thing? What, that they're microphones or yeah. cameras? That was, I've heard it. That was started by a guy, quote, supposedly, who was trying to start a joke. He was trying to start a meme. And so he did that. Well, and then people were asking me, like, oh, I bet you believe that pigeons have microphones in them. I'm like, nobody believes that pigeons have microphones in them. There's, and now, it, in contrast to something like Iran-Contra or the... Like the uh, war on drugs and all that stuff where you can look at them and say, no, man, I think they were specifically targeting neighborhoods in the United States and trying to arrest specific people. Yeah. And so they brought the crack in. They, the cops, brought the crack in and then arrested the guys for having the crack. Yeah. You know, it's like that's a conspiracy theory, you know. But it's much more informed than, than hey. pigeons are than pigeons are yeah microphones or whatever you know whatever people want to use so i do always think that that's that's a kind of an interesting aspect of uh naysayers of conspiracies is that they usually jump to these most improbable ones well it's kind of funny too i guess i think of it too like with linguistics or with science right everything is a theory because you you're finding evidence to support it. Right. So with new evidence, everything can be changed. Right. I always think about how far I want to take things because, I don't know, and i got a microphone in front of me. Yeah, nobody listens to that. But, true. When you say things like trust the science, well, the science is only silent. Science is only science until new evidence is presented. Well, science is independent of your conclusions. Yeah. Right? So science is just data. Yeah. Then you make conclusions off of that. And we have, like, science has been wrong in the past because then we got new evidence to show that smoking while being pregnant well, is maybe, bad. Well, maybe the science wasn't wrong. It was Well, the our interpretation of it. Yeah, the interpretation. We just had limited data we're working with. Right. And so the pursuit of science is always trying to find more information mm-hmm. in order to make either new assumptions or further strengthen your original assumption. Right. So I just think some things like that are kind of funny. It is funny. Well, and I think any time, you know, Orwell in 1984 had like three word phrases. Yeah. Like, uh, didn't he say like war is love is one of them or. Yeah, something like that. I can't remember. He had all these different. I wish I actually we got the book. We do have the book. I don't know if we'll be able to find it right now. I don't know if I'd be able to find it. But, um. It's it's interesting because he would have these little these little sayings that were basically like, you know, work, or I I don't know I can't think of. He's trying to reshape the narrative of what things are. So yes. uh, even the shortening of words like mini love, right? It's actually like the Ministry of Torture, you know? Right, the Ministry of. <laughs> but torture. hey, we're loving you, Ministry of Love, by getting you back in line, right? You know, right? So it is. <laughs> This is a whole rabbit hole. What he's doing is he's trying to play with our concept of language and how basically at its most basic language is connecting concepts to to words, to forms. Right, But we can switch those around and play with it. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Well, what is love? I mean, there's a lot of answers to that question Mm -hmm. and we each have a different understanding of it. And how do you you best express your love? Yeah. So what if we reshaped that too? 
the younger generation. Well, love is this. You know, we're just connecting that form, that word, to a new concept. Right. No, it definitely gets kind of deep. Yeah. Um, I feel like we've kind of gone off the deep end now. Yeah. You know, there's a couple other things with Stranger Things that I was just kind of wanting to to touch on but i think we've pretty much hit everything i do think Um, we have i think that was good i like that i like the representation that stranger things does i'm really looking forward to the next season i hope they don't mess it up i don't think they're gonna mess it up i think they're gonna follow through i think they got they got the right people it's not they're not gonna pull walking dead we'll see i don't know i've got hope but people still mess up people still mess up so but um i think that this was a pretty interesting episode hopefully we're gonna get better at this i know earlier i had the ac run i kind of forgot about that it's and, only 100 degrees outside yeah it's only 100 degrees outside and, uh, you know exciting news we are working on getting a house and once we have that house i do think that we'll be able to set up a little studio uh, which will make recording easier and also quieter all that stuff Uh, anyway thank y'all for tuning in and until next time peace have a good day